Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. A union president and secretary treasurer arrested in a protest to support striking call center workers. A win for grad student workers in Southern California. And today on the show, the latest from the American Legion and the Alliance for Retired Americans. Welcome to the Friday, December 15th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify and Pandora. Jeff Stouffer will be our first guest today. Jeff serving as the American Legion Media and Communications Division Director. Complete updates, legion.org. And this is the time we preview the next month's edition, the January 2024 American Legion Magazine. And one of the stories we're going to talk to Jeff about is uh, how the American Legion's claim specialists have been helping so many veterans in need. Stephen Brooks authored this story, and uh, he points out since opening five years ago, the American Legion Veteran Affairs and Rehabilitation Service Office in uh, Indianapolis has successfully filed or appealed more than $195 million in VA disability compensation for our vets. And they had an event recently where they gathered a number of vets to talk about what they were able to get through the uh, the specialists at the American Legion. The bigger picture here, the uh, service officers with the Legion and appeals reps are now working right now as we speak more than 750,000 disability claims for veterans and their families. More than 3,500 American Legion service officers can be found throughout the country and beyond, and American Legion National Headquarters staff appeals representatives work in Indianapolis and Washington, D.C., helping veterans who dispute VA decisions on their claims. And you know there's a lot of that going on. We'll touch on that. We're also going to touch on a resolution that the executive committee of the Legion just passed reiterating their support for penalizing unaccredited companies. And this is sickening. These companies charge vets for benefits claims assistance right now, right now. There are more than a hundred unaccredited claims companies illegally profiting millions of dollars from veterans under the guise of being legitimate scamming our vets. Can you believe that? And the other story is uh, written by Alan Dowd, who is just one of the most prolific writers around. And this is very, very topical. It's titled The Road to Catastrophe. And this is all about the war between Hamas and Israel. And Alan points out that, uh, well, there's been a long history of conflict in that region. And he's going to touch on that. So uh, Jeff will handle the first couple of segments. And then we're going to go to Rich Fiesta on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans, where he serves as executive director, retiredamericans.org. You might want to um, follow them on Twitter, active, well, X, 
That's the name of it. I keep uh, saying Twitter. Active Retirees. Active Retirees. A growing organization. We'll touch on that as well. Rich is very concerned, and and so many people should be, about the future of Social Security. The House Budget Committee held a hearing recently on three pieces of legislation to create what they call a fiscal commission to find ways to reduce the national debt. And right now, when you take a look at the national debt, half of it is entitlements. And we're talking Social Security, Medicare. Well, the bills are, uh, are very similar. And guess what? They create a path to vote on cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the Biden administration continues to take action to lower drug prices and boost competition. Recently, they announced a new plan to use march-in rights to seize patents for medicines that were developed with our money, taxpayer dollars, in order to bring down costs on the most expensive drugs. This is something the drug companies say, well, we have to charge a whole lot of money for drugs because we do a lot of research. That's a bunch of garbage. Yes, they do research, but you know what? You and I are funding most of the research when it comes to taxpayer dollars, when it comes to new drugs. So Rich Fiesta, executive director of the Alliance for Retired Americans, will be us later in the show. Now, a look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Obamacare and Medicare call center workers at Maximus. Maximus is the federal government's largest call center contractor. And the call center workers traveled from across the country earlier this week to rally and protest right outside the Department of Health and Human Services headquarters in Washington. A number of representatives, Benny Thompson, Ro Khanna, Corey Bush, Craig Cesar, and SEIU President Mary Kay Henry, joined the workers in calling on the Biden administration to back up its commitment to good jobs with concrete action. The workers demanded that Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Bachara and the Biden administration require livable wages of $25 per hour on federal call center contracts and to ensure workers have access to affordable health care and to investigate the company's low road employment practices. This is just another example of not paying attention to details when these contracts are awarded. That's like, uh, okay, you send a contract out for construction and you forget to put in prevailing wage. Not a good idea. Well, this story... And this is all posted on the CWA website. Claude Cummings, Jr., president, the new president of the CWA, along with Amina Salam, the secretary treasurer of the CWA, were arrested alongside labor advocates and workers during the action. Now, the CWA has supported Maximum. We talked about this extensively with Frank Matthews on the show throughout the year. Now, the overwhelming majority of the workers at Maximus report relying on safety net programs due to low wages. These are customer service agents, predominantly black and Latina women at the 12 call centers. 
Nine in ten of those workers report having medical debt or having to forego or postpone medical treatment due to concerns about costs. 91%, over four out of five, earning significantly less than the living wage needed to sustain a household with children in the areas where they live and work. This is what uh, Claude Cummings is quoted as saying, federal call center workers at Maximus have been fighting for living wages, affordable health care, fair treatment, and a voice on the job. And they've been doing this for seven years. They have written letters. They've walked out on strike, and they have joined together to demand change. President Biden has made clear that he expects federal contracts like Maximus to provide good jobs. But management has turned its back on the black and brown women who are at the heart of its federal call centers. Workers who help millions of Americans access health care can't even afford to support their own families or go to the doctor while Maximus is CEO and their shareholders, well, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars. Stay tuned to this one, cwa-union.org. Over 80% of grad student workers, this is at the University of Southern California, they have voted to ratify a first-ever contract. Congratulations to them. The uh, agreement includes significant wage increases, lump sum bonuses for every grad worker, and protections from harassment and discrimination. Also, the deal ends the university's ability to implement wage freezes. Got a comment here from uh, Mally McCann. Mally is a Ph.D. candidate in the civil engineering department and a bargaining team member. Mally said, I am. Very proud, incredibly proud of this contract and all the work that went into it. Together, thousands of graduate student workers build a credible strike threat that force USC and the administration to reach a deal that sets a new standard for compensation and workplace protections. Jackie Johnson is a fifth-year doctoral candidate studying cinema and media studies. Jackie said, I would say that we're all pretty excited about this contract because in the private sector, we have an industry-leading contract that sets us up for bargaining in years to come. I think that sends a real message about the strength of the graduate student workers at USC as we see a wave of unionization across higher education. The bargaining team at the university first reached a tentative agreement. This was uh, on November 26, just one day before the workers were set to strike and after nearly eight months of negotiations. By the way, this union affiliated with one of our sponsors here, the United Auto Workers. It's the GSWOC-UAW. They represent 3,400 workers at USC and... The workers voted by 93% to form their union in February of this year. And before we break here, I want to call attention to the show that we did yesterday with uh, Maximilian Alvarez. Max is the editor-in-chief of the Real News Network and host of the Working People podcast. And tomorrow, Max is doing a marathon a marathon podcast, and this is all on YouTube. If you go to uh, awfpodcast.com, we have a link to what Max is doing tomorrow. He's going to go on for, for 12 hours 
raising money to make Christmas happen for those in East Palestine, Ohio. And you know what happened there earlier this year with that Norfolk Southern train derailment. A lot of the uh, members of the community are sick. They can't sell their homes. And here we are, a little over a week before uh, Christmas, and they can't afford presents for their kids. So uh, if you'd be so kind, take some time out today or over the week or, or by tomorrow, by tomorrow. And uh, go to our website, awfpodcast.com, and do what you can to help the people in East Palestine, Ohio. Great job on the show yesterday. That show is, uh, is archived on awfpodcast.com if you missed it. But uh, great guy. Definitely cares about workers. Like we do here at America's Workforce. I'm going to take a break. Jeff Stouffer on behalf of the American Legion coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACWeb dot O-R-G. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Melissa Cropper, president of the OFT, also serves as secretary-treasurer of the Ohio AFL-CIO, will be joining us next Tuesday. Right now, let's go to Indianapolis and join one of our longtime regulars, Jeffrey Stouffer, on behalf of the American Legion, legion.org. National website. We're going to talk about the January edition and also some scams going on. Scamming vets. This is ridiculous and sickening. But the story that we're going to talk about now is about uh, claim specialists, veterans assisted by American Legion claim specialists. They have many and they're 
making a difference. That's what we want. We want to make a difference, a positive difference for our veterans. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Talk to me about this story. Apparently, this is something the Legion's been doing for a long time. And there was a gathering recently with some vets who, uh, I guess, they're, they're pretty happy about what you're doing. Go ahead, my brother. Well, thanks, Flash. Yeah, the, no question about it. The unsung heroes of the American Legion as an organization and of the VSO community, by and large, are our service officers. And a lot of people may or may not know what a service officer is or the affiliation with the veteran service organizations, but they provide free representation for veterans who are filing their, their claims, their disability claims, they need help. These things are complicated and require a lot of documentation. And then if they get a decision back from VA that is unsatisfactory or they say, you know, we can't approve this because of this or that, then they have the right to appeal. And the American Legion fought for that right to appeal in the 80s and built a, you know, there's a court of veterans appeals in Washington, D.C. That, that here's these cases. You know that that they that they were wrongly denied their VA benefits, and so we have a st- a staff of in two offices, one in our Washington office and one in our Indianapolis office, and altogether it's twenty two accredited service officers who uh, literal who take on these cases when a veteran says, "Man, I I I know I I was exposed to Agent Orange, or I know I was." I have, you know, the, the, the symptoms of PTSD and I have, I should be, should be diagnosed or get a, or get a favorable VA disability, you know, a decision, they get a decision back from VA and it's, and it's, um, and they say, no, you don't have either, you don't have the right documentation or you don't have the right this or the right that, or Mm -hmm. we don't agree. Well, we have these appeals reps. And they just simply work on those appeals cases. And just to give you an idea, since 2018, when we expanded that office and we added the Indianapolis arm, that the number of the amount in uh, appeals compensation benefits for and awards for disabled veterans that they've been able to get that were earlier wrongly rejected is um, over $195 million. And just this year, this last year, they did uh, over 13,000 cases, and you know one, one of those cases I want to mention is, you know, the National Commander will bring brings this up in his uh, January magazine uh, commander's messages. This this one veteran, you know, had applied, gotten rejected, didn't have the, uh, didn't get a, a, a positive, uh, you know, decision from VA about about his disability, and come to find out, you know, anything can happen, like about the exam could be wrong, could be bad, or incomplete documentation could be a processing error. error. This one veteran submitted his claim, got rejected, went to the VA, went to the American Legion, got representation, and ultimately there was an error used in the entering of a diagnostic code that changed his entire medical record, and he was granted 100% service-connected disability rating and retroactive compensation of about $450,000. Oh my. Yeah, th- that was what that was what he was supposed to have been p- paid all these years. He'd been fighting it and these 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 veterans are so frustrated because they get a decision and they know it's incorrect, but you know, especially when you go back to the Vietnam War because they didn't have the 
the level of documentation then certainly that they do now we don't think it's complete or or perfect yet but you know the the concept that you know anything can happen to you know prevent you from getting your disability rating which is tied to your what kind of disability compensation you can get and you know it could be a mistake it could be a lack of records and these these reps that we have literally change lives they support and help walk through they get into the stories of of every veteran who they represent and they work with them one-on-one as human beings go through it find the documentation help them through the process it's hard to do this if you're an old you know a lone veteran just trying to plow through the application process and the appeals process so our um, service officers, I think I've talked to you about this before, but, you know, since the PACT Act passed in August of, what, 2022, the um, um, the number of claims filed and the screenings, I think, have gone up, I've jumped up into the millions now. And so we're going to have more and more of these, these cases of claims filings that need to be made so the veterans who have been, you know, exposed to contamination or have, you know, confronted PTSD or who are, you know, facing other health issues and things like that are get the, get the, um, you know, the disability benefits that they earned and deserved and Congress has passed. And, you know, we, we're there to help advocate. That's the key is we advocate for these guys, Mm -hmm. for these men and women who've come back with problems and then they can't seem to get through the red tape. The quantity is amazing. I was reading earlier, at any given time, the Legion's working on more than 750,000 disability claims. That That's a lot. And, and to your point, too, with the PACT Act, it's growing. My question to you, Jeff, is do we have enough people to, to help out on this? I mean, this is overwhelming right now. And, and is this all volunteer type of stuff? Are they getting paid for what they're doing? It varies. Um, like uh, there's there's two kinds of service officers. Yeah, they generally are employed by. They can be employed by the county. They can be employed by the city. They can be employed in some states by the American Legion. But the American Legion is the accreditation. We accredit. We provide the training so that they can become accredited through VA. And we'll get to this in our next segment. But the but the but the point is is they have to be trained in these processes or it's frankly illegal. And um, and the accreditation, the only way you can achieve accreditation is through VA. And so the, so VA basically puts a stamp of approval on a trained service officer who by and large is, is in, in this case of, the, of these appeals reps who just primarily, not only, but primarily work appeals. Um, they, are, they are American Legion national staff. We've got 22 of them. And uh, uh, when you go to the, uh, you know, every state has a little bit different disposition on how they, uh, you know, pay for service officers. Some states, some some are state funded, some are funded by a consortium of groups. Others are funded by a county, you know, depends on how you do it. But at the end of the day, these people work tirelessly. And the answer to your question is not really. We really do need more service officers, more accredited service officers, the demand is high. The flow of claims is increasing greatly, and it's going to be a big challenge. And the, the, uh, there is no one who is more passionate and caring about veterans and giving them the justice that they deserve than 
our service officers and not yeah, just absolutely. in the American Legion, not just in the American Legion, all of the, all of the, you know, the major federally chartered VSOs have service officers. And, you know, this is the American Legion is the lead um, VSO in terms of numbers and amounts and in, in compensation we're able to achieve for veterans. But um, some, you know, in some communities, the, you know, the other, the other VSOs are do it. They're, they're doing the same thing. All Everybody's kind of, rowing in the same direction to help veterans get through the complexities of filing claims and then appealing decisions. Very difficult process. And when there's money involved, there's always somebody trying to make a lot of money off of it. And they scam a lot of the vets. And I want to talk about that. You touched on this and I mentioned this at the top of the show. Apparently your executive committee at the Legion passed a resolution in support of penalizing the companies out there that are charging veterans for benefits. And uh, I don't know how, I guess there's at least a hundred companies that are not accredited. Uh, and maybe you can walk me through this one. And, and this is kind of a message to vets. How do you find out if they're legit or not? This, this is crazy. Right. Yeah. This is a, this has been a big brewing problem for a few years is, is people who uh, or lawyers, non-lawyers, uh, people who are claiming to be authorized to represent a veteran in the claims process in the application process, the appeals process, whatever are basically uh, getting power of attorney or, or seeking power of attorney or else charging an exorbitant fee to represent those veterans um, at you know at great cost, and so they get a they get a big percentage. Sometimes it's you know over fifty percent of their disability award goes to the representative, and and uh, there's really only one legal way you can uh, be a, a representative for a veteran in a, in a VA application process, and that's to be accredited by VA, which has has you know restrictions and has rules and all of that legally that's that's the that's the case however there have been no uh re, there there's been kind of a uh, somehow somewhere along the way you know the concept of criminal you know prosecution or the concept of damages or or capping fees has sort of not been um, enforced. I don't, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure how it all worked, but for whatever reason, there is the bottom line is the American Legion's national executive committee met. This is how urgent this issue is right now. Uh, they met just this last Tuesday and they passed a resolution clarifying the Legion's position, um, in support of the guard act, which is, uh, one of two bills that are in Congress right now that, you know, the Guard Act would, uh, you know, restore criminal penalties and, you know, demand prosecution for people or companies who violate VA rules, who are representing and charging veterans fees to file, prepare, prosecute initial VA claims without any VA accreditation. And there's about a hundred of them. You've heard, you maybe people, maybe your listeners have heard of this concept of claims sharks. And that's mm -hmm. what they're called, kind of bandied about in the social media and, and, and kind of as a, as a, as a catchphrase, but claims sharks are the, are the issue. And they are, re, you know, I, I, I can think of a few things quite so immoral as taking a disabled veteran, a portion of a disabled veteran's disability compensation and putting it into your, you know, your firm's bank account when 
so many of our service officers are out there working tirelessly to provide this work for free. Has anybody shamed these companies? I'm just wondering if they're once once they you find out that they're scamming the vets, we we need to post that somewhere. Maybe put them in one of the issues of the American Legion magazine or online. Are, are yeah. we doing any of that, or, or are you thinking about that at all? Yeah. I, well, again, I think the the point here is, and both of these bills, there's two bills: the Guard Act, which is governing unaccredited representatives defrauding. VA Benefits Act. And then there's another bill, the PLUS Act, Preserving Lawful Utilization of Services for Veterans Act. Okay. The Guard Act, the one we support, would reinstate these penalties and really basically tighten up the law on um, unaccredited reps, you know, making money off of veterans with their disability claims. The PLUS Act has, has, a, has a flaw that we've identified that we think is, is critical, and that's that um, really, you have to be accredited to get a claim through. And if if they, in, in, the, in the PLUS Act, if they apply or they, they put in for an application and VA doesn't rule on it within a 90-day window, those uh, representatives are, out of, are accredited. They, they get accredited without a ruling, without, without, you know, without the process of review, without determining whether or not they're unscrupulous or whether or oh not they know what they're talking about. So yeah. after 90 days, you're kind of like automatically, okay, you're accredited. And like I could become accredited and, it, and you don't even have to be, you don't have to be an attorney, I don't think. And there's no, no restrictions because a veteran can file on behalf of themselves, but it's highly not recommended. You know, these, these, there's free services. And at the end of the day, the, there are, you know, like you say, wherever there's money, unscrupulous bad actors are going to come up and they yeah. are going to exploit veterans that, I can't think, our, you know, our, our national commander is a pastor and I can't think that there's anything, you know, nothing, nothing gets under his skin more than the concept of immoral behavior. <laughs> and that is, that is immoral behavior. So, I mean, there's scamming going on every day, but when you're scamming our vets, come on, come on, right. that's ridiculous. And the radical part of me wants to expose these, these idiots here because it's shameful. It really is shameful. All right, we got to take a break. Jeff Stouffer joining us on our live line. Jeff with the American Legion, legion.org. We'll continue with him. In fact, uh, Alan Dowd authored a really incredible article, The Road to Catastrophe, about what's going on in the Middle East right now. We'll continue with Jeff later in the show. Rich Fiesto will be joining us on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. 
Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Can't believe 10 days till Christmas. And if you are looking for a Christmas gift made in the USA, you don't have too much time here because you got to get it shipped. I want to drive you to one of our sponsors' websites. That's the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Keyword, American Manufacturing. Once again, they are out with their annual Made in America Holiday Gift Guide. Ten years now that they've been doing this. It's a list of American-made gift ideas from all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. We're talking more than 200 companies that manufacture products made in the United States. In some cases, they're made by our union brothers and sisters. So do check it out, AmericanManufacturing.org. Let's go back to our live line. Read. Join Mr. Jeffrey Stouffer on behalf of the American Legion, where he uh, serves as Media and Communications Division Director, legion.org. All right, let's talk about uh, something very topical here, the war in the Middle East. Alan Dowd, probably one of your best writers there. They're all good, but I tell you, I put Alan at the top of the list. This one is titled, The Road to Catastrophe, The War Between Hamas and Israel Has Decades of Foreshadowing. Jeff, I remember when I was going, well, in high school, we talked about the conflicts in the Middle East, and I don't even want to mention how long ago that was, but uh, I don't know. Let, let, let's, uh, let's hear Alan's perspective on this, and this will be in the January, the January edition of the American Legion magazine. So what can you share with us on this story, Jeff? Well, when the, uh, when, when the, the, the strike by Hamas on October 7th occurred, you know, immediately I thought the most important thing that we needed to do was sort of frame out how we got to this. And it was, it's, you know, been described as the deadliest, you know, um, attack on Israel since, since the Holocaust. And, and, and you know, the, many Americans were killed in, in, in these, in this, and then the, and taken hostage and all that. How did we get here was sort of the, the route that I wanted Alan, who is a great, you know, uh, thinker and writer about international affairs. So basically he um, laid out what's happened since World War II when, you know, a UN commission, you know, basically ceded, uh, you know, Israel to, uh, to, to uh, Israel 
came into existence. And then the process since then with the, the Palestinians and the Arab community rejecting that that decision, of course, and then, then, then how things have gone since then. And it has been a perpetual state of conflict, you know, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. We all know that. We, you and I have grown up with that. Remember the, the Munich Olympics, and the, uh, which was, you know, literally, I think that gave birth to modern terrorism. Was the sure. yeah. was the was the attack on that killed the Israeli athletes, and um, as this thing has brewed, it's always been kind of this this uh, um, you know conflict between achieving some sort of reconciliation about you know Israel's existence and the Palestinian authority by and large to also have you know a place in that region. And what what we've what's happened, of course, is that there's uh, you know factions, one more militant, Hamas, and the other a you know a Palestinian authority that we that you know we brokered a deal in the 1990s. President Clinton brokered brokered a deal in the 1990s that would sort of work toward establishing a real authority in the Palestinian community in the, the, the Palestinians, and again it ultimately always kind of dissolves into a, uh, a shooting war and, uh, and, a, and an uprising. And of course our concern from a national security perspective is not just that Hamas and Israel are in this, you know, violent, deadly conflict, but who's funding them and who's funding the, you know, the Hamas's and the Hezbollah's and the, and the, these terrorist groups, it's, you know, adversaries of the United States and adversaries of freedom and democracy who are, you know, behind these, these, these things. So they're, they're literally, it's a, it's a, and, and Alan does such a wonderful job of framing the whole story. You know, I, I think he, he called it um, at one point a low grade war. And it's been kind of a low, like a low grade fever. It was a low grade war for quite a while. And then, since since literally the the 60s and except for in the 80s it has its uprisings but then here we are now it's a high-grade war and it yeah. is awful and i think that you know those of us who you know support peace and freedom and opportunity are certainly heartbroken by the fact that things have again dissolved to this point and that it leaves you with the question i guess you know can we ever achieve peace and what in, in, in between the Palestinians and the Israelis and, and Israel and it's and over over this this you know conflict that's gone on you know Alan brings it up it, it goes on it, it can be traced back to you know BC how yeah. long this, this conflict has gone on and you know how, how do we you know and what does this latest you know uprising sort of mean for any hope for future peace? Yeah, it's going to be very difficult because you've got many that do not think Israel should exist. And as long as that's in the discussion, it's we're going to see conflict for years to come. And, and you, uh, one, one thing I like about Alan and what you do at the American Legion, you put everything in perspective and you point out that Israel has a population just shy of 10 million, 9.7 million, and a landmass smaller than New Hampshire. That's it. That's it. But they are a powerhouse. They have a very strong military. Their economy is resilient. And they're a democracy. And another thing, too, 
and I didn't even realize that Hamas has really been in control of Gaza. In uh, yeah. 2006, they won control of the Palestinian Legislative Council. And the many Palestinians, they, they didn't want that to happen, but apparently it did happen. And I think that's what kind of led to what uh, what we're talking about today. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's, 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 it's a, that 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 is a, a phenomenon that, you know, has been greatly concerning. So yeah. and, and, and will will be, you know, it's just like, uh, there, you know, that's one of the issues in the Middle East that sometimes even a minority faction as who you know wields the sword of terrorism or violence over others assumes power it's that's not democracy that's not freedom that's not that's not that's that's what we oppose jeff if you don't mind we got a couple of minutes left here and i would like to know if the legion has any opinion on uh, funding continued funding for ukraine as you know these two are being jostled about right now by uh, members of congress yeah we'll support israel but Stop supporting Ukraine. They're not a NATO partner and all that. But then there's some concern here. You know, if the Russians take over Ukraine, where are they going to end up? Are they going to go into uh, into Poland? Are they going to go into various other countries over there? Kind of similar to what was going on back in the 1930s with Nazi Germany. Anything that you could add to this? Uh, does a, a legion have an opinion on on funding, continued well, funding to Ukraine? Well, the Legion is, as, as stated before, adamant opposition to what Russia has done. And the, the issue at hand in terms of the funding going forward, no stated position that I'm aware of, um, but our leadership has been, you know, looking at it and discussing it, I think, to some degree. So I, do, I don't have a, a definitive answer for you on that, but I think that, you know, certainly I'm, we're like everybody else that we ideologically you know, strongly oppose this invasion and everything about it and, you know, stand with Ukraine's right to defend itself and how we, how we prosecute that, you know, that's, that's, that's a, as they say, above my pay grade um, in terms of funding. But, you know, I think when it comes down to it, the American Legion wants, you know, nothing less than the Ukrainian right to be free and not be attacked. And how we do how that happens, again, in terms of of funding for Ukraine, U.S. funding for Ukraine's military and support that way, that is a uh, an issue that that's one way we can provide that support. But we don't have a specific you know statement on it yet. Gotcha. Okay. And if that happens, just check Legion.org. All right. We're going to leave it at that note. Jeff Stouffer on behalf of the American Legion magazine and also legion.org. You take care. Have a wonderful holiday, and we will talk to you in the new year, okay? All right. Thanks, Flash. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Rich Fiesta on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans is coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. 
That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at CWA-Union.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. Now, Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to uh, Washington, D.C. right now. Welcome one of our longtime regulars. Mr. Rich Fiesta, who serves as executive director of the Alliance for Retired Americans. RetiredAmericans.org is a website. You could follow them on X. That would be active retirees, at active retirees. And they are very active, four million strong. Rich, welcome back to the show. I understand that, uh, well, you and I have had many conversations about Social Security, the lack of funding to make sure that it's fiscally strong for many, many years ahead. I understand that um, there was a hearing by the House Budget Committee recently on uh, several pieces of legislation to create a so-called fiscal commission to find ways to reduce the national debt. All right, I'm going to let you pick it up from there because I think we know where they want to go on this one. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, every time you hear code words like debt commission, fiscal commission, or the like, uh, hang on to your um, self, hang on uh, to your benefits, because seniors and people who rely on programs like Social Security and Medicare, or who will need Social Security and Medicare, normally end up being the losers. Um, And yet, here we go again. Uh, There's several different proposals in Congress on creating these so-called debt commissions, Uh, but the aim is, at the end of the day, to cut some of our most basic social insurance programs, like Social Security and Medicare through gimmicks like we'll all go into a closed room and we'll come out with a bill, no public hearings, and we'll just rush it to the House and Senate floor. Uh, Most anti-democratic ideas you could have about legislation and take it or leave it because we're smarter than you are. 
so that's what we're up against. Uh, again, we had this in the 80s. We had this with Simpson Bowl in 2010. Uh, that's the name of the commission then. The thank heavens didn't go anywhere. Uh, and here we are again. <laughs> So when when we say cuts, how do they want to cut it? Uh, I, I think one of the ways would be like raising the retirement age. I guess that's a that would be considered a cut. Is that one of the things they're batting around right now? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Flash uh, raising the retirement age is basically a cut because you will no longer be receiving the benefits that you were promised at the age you were promised uh, when you worked for an entire career. So, and we have presidential candidates. Um, are saying this too. People like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie are proud that they have a plan that would raise the retirement age to 70, for example. Uh, so yeah, raising the retirement age can be upwards of a 20% benefit cut. Now, Rich, let me throw this at you. You know, when Social Security was created back in 1935, people did not live as long as they are today. For various reasons, we got better health care. We, well, most of us try to take care of ourselves a little bit better than we used to, especially at a, when we were younger. But how do you respond to that? Because you know that's been coming up in in these conversations. Well, a couple of things. First, Social Security of 2023 is not Social Security of 1935. Uh, the program has expanded. The contribution rates have expanded. The benefits uh, have expanded. The number of people covered by Social Security has expanded. So the name is the same, but the program is very different. It uh, now includes disability, which was added under the Eisenhower administration, a COLA under the Nixon administration. I mean, there was a world when Republicans actually expanded. Can, Social Security, for example. Uh, that's number one. And number two, not all Americans have a life expectancy that has been increasing. If you're lower income, if you're working in a dangerous physical job, for example, there actually have been decreases in life expectancy in this nation. It's a horrible thing to realize, but that's another thing that people have to know. Uh, it always isn't on the up and up and things are going up and getting better every day. So you're of the opinion then there's no need for this fiscal commission and, and we should point out that social security is not really adding to the national debt. Is that, is that accurate to say? Yeah. In fact, that flash may be the first fundamental thing. By law, Social Security cannot borrow money because all the money in the system and the trust fund comes from workers contributions, employers' contributions, and interest that's made on the trust fund. It cannot go out like the Treasury Department and borrow money or issue bonds and the like there. So fundamentally, it does not contribute to the debt and deficit, period. But you hear these politicians saying spending is going crazy, the debt is going up, it's all because of Social Security. Big time lie. <laughs> yeah, and, and politicians that went went down that road are no longer elected officials because the people have spoken out on that in 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 years past. Let's uh, let's turn the page here to uh, prescription drugs, and I know this is a big concern for the alliance. and And the Biden administration is trying to do everything to make sure that the that the drugs you know, are affordable here. It's it's ridiculous, and it's hurting Medicare too because Medicare 
has to, you know, they're, well, they can't even negotiate for the prices, sadly. But anyway, talk to me about about this march-in rights plan that the Biden administration has come out with. What's the story here? Yeah, the Biden administration is taking some uh, very necessary and aggressive um, measures to lower prescription drug prices. There was a, an act from um, about 1980 uh, that basically said if we're using government money to have the seed money for prescription drug development and a drug gets developed and it goes on the market and corporations make a lot of money for it. Uh, and if they're charging too much, uh, or if it's the only drug and it's a monopoly, uh, for example, then the government can have what, uh, the ability to do March in another March in and take, um, uh, bring some sanity to the pricing and also um, allow a better price uh, and take, uh, if necessary, even some of the royalties. Now, the law has been very vague as it's been interpreted, the way it was written and the way it interpreted, but the Biden administration is going to test that uh, because sometimes, as you know, you have one drug for specific disease and they can charge anything they want. And it has so gotten out of hand since Americans pay the highest drug prices in the world over the last 40 years. And I'm sure there's getting some pushback on this. The drug companies are probably one of the most powerful lobbies in the in the entire world right now. Didn't they uh, take some of the like the Inflation Reduction Act? Didn't they take a couple components there to court to, to stall that? Yeah, I think now there are nine lawsuits in various federal courts um, saying that Congress uh, doesn't have the authority to or, or negotiate for drugs. For example, I mean, we go out and we negotiate for tanks and airplanes and construction roads and everything else uh, that the government spends money on. So there are nine different cases uh, in the early stages in the federal courts right now uh, by the drug industry uh, attacking the ability to allow Medicare to negotiate for drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that part of capitalism? I mean, there, there's a give and take. I mean, yeah. it's a, that's a good analogy. We, we negotiate for everything, but not, but not medicines, not, me, yeah. not drugs. And yeah. so who gets screwed? The people that need those drugs. All right. We'll leave it on that note. Rich Fiesta on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans, where he serves as executive director. Do check him out online, retiredamericans.org. You take care. Have a wonderful holiday and uh, we'll talk to you in January. Okay. Thanks to you. And always great being with you, Flash. Happy holidays. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, we're going to check in with John Schloys, president of the News Guild, and the latest from the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.